long's it been, mate, since our last Sam and Pete special? It's been a while. It's been a while, isn't mm. it? I reckon three months, three or four months. Feels like a boatload yeah. of things have, have happened since we last did one of these. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy few months, isn't mm-hmm. it, to be fair? Mate, no, it really has. Um, and it's been cool, isn't it? The podcast is certainly growing. Uh, our listener base is growing. We've had some cracking guests on over the last few months. It's It's been enjoyable, wouldn't you say? It has. Yeah, it has. And I mean, obviously there, there is some changes and we've got a sponsor now and <clears throat> we're going to be releasing hook baits as we spoke about before. Um, and oh, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with me, Pete. That was never our intention. Like we, we never set our stall out and say, right, wait, let's get a sponsor on. Um, I think if I remember rightly, it came about from us doing a different Sam and Pete episode. And we basically said that we need to support the podcast because it's getting quite pricey. So um, we're going to look into ways of doing that. And, and a few people reached out to us. Um, and obviously one of them was Carp Hunter Giveaways. And yeah, we just, we liked their vibe, didn't we? They're actually really, really decent blokes that run it. Um, really, really nice. And um <clears throat> Yeah, we like what they do. We like what they what they offer, and um, we just went for it, really, didn't we? So, definitely, the podcast has seen a few changes since we last did one of these. Yeah, yeah, no, it has, it has, um, and we're just we're growing into it, aren't we? I mean, we've been doing it for um, eighteen months. Yeah. I'd like to think we're we're slowly getting a little bit better at things. Uh, we certainly weren't broadcasters. <laughs> Uh, when we started but i think things are sort of smoothing up and getting a bit a little bit easier for us uh but no the, the carp hunter giveaway guys have been brilliant haven't they and they're quite keen on sort of us developing as a podcast as well um i don't think they're too they're not too worried about having their product pushed they just want a little shout out and they're quite keen for us to do our thing and grow as a as a podcast so yeah happy days yeah definitely and they're very much understanding that it's it's fairly early days for us. I mean, we 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 started in I think it was around about November um, in two thousand nineteen, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, I think they just they kind of see the the potential in it, and they're they're happy to to be with us as we grow. Um, they're very very supportive. Um, definitely go and check them out. By the way, I know I say it every single episode, but carphuntergiveaways.co.uk. Um, they genuinely are great guys and. Not only that, the way that they conduct their business is very, very good. Um, their prize draws are, are pretty cheap to enter, to be honest with you. Um, and they, they genuinely give away some amazing gifts, some expensive gifts as well. So if you haven't checked them out, definitely go and check them out. Um, but yeah, it's a pleasure to, to, to kind of to be, to be with those guys, to be sponsored by them. Yeah, they're, they're a great, great company. Really, really proud to have them as sponsors, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And another area where they've really supported us is they've actually contributed to our little giveaway prize, which we've been oh. sort of hamming up for a number of episodes. Um, we but we've, we've reached our that. goal, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we need to talk about that. We're... Yes. So, yeah. Are you going to tell them? Um, no, you crack on. All right. Yeah, so those of you who've been listening for a while, you remember that we were going to do a prize draw giveaway. Um, and to do that, all you needed to do was leave us a review. Um, and that's still the case. That prize draw has not happened yet. 
So if you're one of those that hasn't left us a review yet, you're going to want to do it. I promise you that because we've actually got some really, really cool stuff to give away. All you need to do for if you're an Apple user, go on to your Apple podcast app and leave us a review there. If you're not an Apple user, if you don't have an iPhone or um, an iPad, then you can just go to our Facebook page, leave us a review in the reviews section. I think it's called the recommend, recommended section now, actually, isn't it? Um, but leave us a review on our Facebook page, um, Carpangler Chronicles podcast. You, you can find that just by typing that in Facebook. And you're automatically entered. And that is it. And we started off saying it was going to be for a £50 worth of stuff. The reality is it will be way over 100 quid's worth. Carphuntergiveaways.co.uk have very kindly given us a fish spy, which is this castable float type thing with a camera on it. So you cast it out, it, it self-cocks, and then obviously the camera is facing down. So not only can you, you can see what, what you're fishing over, um, whether it's weed, you can see the types of weed, you can see whether you're on a clear spot. Um, you know, quite a good bit of technology, if technology is your kind of thing. And they've also very kindly donated us a Ridge Monkey Thermo Mug, which is like, I believe, a super high tech mug, basically. Um, <laughs> that's what as it high is. tech as a cup can be. <laughs> as high tech as a mug can be. Yeah, I think, mm. I mean, I'm guessing it, you yeah. know, holds temperature for a long period of time. They retail for a tenner. Um, the fish spies usually go for 60 quid, I think. <laughs> Um, if when they're on offer so yeah 70 quids worth of stuff right there as well as that me and pete are gonna throw in one of our hook baits each uh, not one hook bait but one pot obviously um initially perhaps we'll talk about this in a moment actually um but obviously we've been speaking for a while about releasing some hook baits that is going to be happening and yeah we'll throw in a pot of each of our hook baits so that's four pots in total. And I think we're going to throw some other bits and bobs in as well. So basically, by the time we're finished with it, it's going to be way over 100 quid's worth of goods. If you're interested in that, and if you just want to support us in general, to be honest, please go ahead, leave us a review. As I said, if you're an Apple user, either iPhone or iPad, leave a review on the podcast app. If you don't have an Apple device, then just go ahead to our Facebook profile and leave a review. Carp angler chronicles podcast you'll find us there yeah magic rounded that up nicely i think sam go on then you mentioned the hook baits it has been a little while in, in the making isn't it it's, it's taking a little longer than expected um to get them out and to get them ready but i think we're, we're pretty much there aren't we chief bait yeah. maker how are we doing <laughs> It's, it's taken a while. We've been speaking about it for a while. We have had like, genuinely a f phenomenal amount of people ask us about these. It blows my mind. Um, we've got a long list of people that kind of want first refusal. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll reach out, message those people first, which will be very soon. If you're one of those people on the list, don't worry. We'll be reaching out to you very, very soon. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time coming. Just the logistics of it, you know, we, we didn't want it to be, you know, half-assed. We wanted to make sure that we could actually sell these and fulfill the orders, etc. So we need to get all of the, it sounds silly, but you need to get the pots right. You need to get the packaging right. I mean, these are old recipes that, that, that we've used before. So that, that side of things is done, um, but it takes a while to, to get all of the infrastructure, if you like. 
as well as that we've got mm-hmm. a website that you can obviously buy the hook baits from it's taken a while to get that up and running so yeah it's been a long time coming but we will be releasing those within the next couple of weeks um and if you haven't got your name on the wait list and you want to there's still time to do that you'll get first refusal obviously it's in it's in order of of who kind of gets their name on the list first just reach out to us on social media media either instagram or facebook if you want to go on that list that's absolutely fine we can still do that um and we'll make sure that there's enough pots to go around we'll ask all of you guys on the list first and then we'll advertise them and put them on our web uh, on our website to be live and uh, so yeah that's it don't want to turn this into a long advert about them but um yeah if anyone's interested just just give us a message happy days mate you are uh the beer's got you tongue-tied, isn't it? I can sense it. Something's gone round down the, the wrong hole, wouldn't it? Do you know what? Yeah, so good time to... <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, am I, am I just not coherent? <laughs> um, yeah, you said something. It, it didn't make sense. Like, you know, I could feel your <laughs> tongue was sort of holding back a burp or something. <laughs> yeah, I've had a um, good good time to, to announce the tipple of the episode. I've had a brew dog jackhammer. I've had a couple of these, actually. Um, Brewdog Jackhammer Roofless Indian Pale Ale. United we stand for better beer, fiercely defiant and independent. It's seven point two percent, so it's quite a strong beer, and uh, yeah, it's tasty and they gone down nice. And yeah, I'm gonna, not going to lie, I'm feeling the effects of the beer a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm I've got beer envy. Um, it's a bit of a running theme here, but I'm sat in the office at work again at the moment, uh, and well. We recorded one last night, didn't we? Um, so I had a few beers last night, so I've got a bit of a groggy head. So I didn't want to sort of top up at all today. Mm. So today, mate, I'm on, I'm having a coffee. I'm having a coffee, and I've got a couple of <laughs> bottles of water. <laughs> living the podcast dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm the same. Obviously, I recorded the podcast with you last night, but um, yeah, hair of the dog and all that. Get a get a few more beers. Beer monster, me. mate fight yeah fight fire with fire that was my strategy and uh yeah it's gone to my head so yeah apologies to to the listeners if i'm not that coherent on this episode but i'll do my best for you mm-hmm. yeah i'll tell you what mate <clears throat> uh something i wanted to to do was maybe touch base of you or go over a few little takeaways from our previous episodes so especially for for the bait guys out there i think probably the majority of our of our listeners aren't they guys who who make their bait i thought we could sort of touch base on a few of the things that we we spoke about um with jason with patrick mills with ben and sort of discuss and get get our sort of taken the listeners could get our sort of taken our understanding of things uh so first of all going back to jason wasn't it which seems like a lifetime ago now actually when we recorded that one when did we record that that must have been the very start of the new year uh was it was it january end of january i don't know um so Mm -hmm. i don't know a couple of months ago probably more Mm -hmm. yeah but we got a cracking reaction from Jason one lots of messages um lots of comments on social media a few conversations starting which is always nice um for me I was going to say the main takeaway uh for me which I found interesting anyway and this is comparing sort of one of Dean's episodes to to Jason's was was the chat we had about ascorbic acid so vitamin C uh where Dean was when I spoke to Dean about it 
he was saying that he wasn't convinced that a carp could detect it in itself or it wasn't attractive in its own right to carp mm. um whereas when you put the, the question to jason maybe about the two most attractive things you could put i guess in front of a carp he was quite clear in saying ascorbic acid uh, and citric acid as well was the other one uh so that for me was interesting mate um I like little things like that. They're both bait, great bait makers and they both make a cracking bait. It's just a different difference of opinion and it'd be cool one day maybe to, to chat to Dean again and maybe sort of dive into that, his understanding of it a little bit more. I know we broached it with uh, Stephen White who will actually be released after this episode. So the guys who are listening to this, that episode will be out in about a week's time or so and we sort of discussed a little bit maybe Dean's take on the vitamin C thing. Um, I don't know what your sort of um, your, your thoughts on that are, or your main sort of takeaways from that episode. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I, the the vitamin C thing isn't something that I can really talk about with a great deal of confidence. I think it's um, as far as its attractiveness goes. I mean, it's it's a, definitely a good addition, um, more to do with the synergy of the of the whole mix. As far as I'm. Mm-hmm. as far as my opinion goes anyway um but in terms of it being attractive in its own right again i'm not 100 percent sure it's not something i've really looked into with with much much detail to be honest you're quite interested in it aren't you the whole ascorbic acid and i think back in back in the day maybe 12 years ago i don't know a while ago you i think you were using ascorbic acid weren't you in a mix I was, yeah, that was back back in sort of like the HNV days when I was really <clears throat> sort of trying to produce bait that the carp are going to get the most out from a nutritional perspective. So obviously we were sort of balancing the aminos, which was quite hard going back then. Um, quite easily now anyone can get a spreadsheet online and put their ingredients in and it does it for them. Um, so yeah, it was something I was conscious of was having vitamin C in there purely again for a protein synthesis so the carp can sort of make use of the proteins in your bait and it makes makes life a little easier for them internally. Um, and another thing as well about that is quite often we talk about selenovite, didn't we? Or we used to, certainly. And we always yeah. used to add that to our baits. Um, and it was only recently I sort of was looking at selenovite again for a bait and I realised it had inclusion of copper. Uh, so it actually supplements copper. Uh, at low levels but it's not trace elements so that's something i think we should probably do our best to avoid Um, because i know it can be toxic and it can inhibit growth rates uh, of carp which kind of goes against the grain of anything you want to do with a nutritional bait doesn't it i mean you're giving them everything there on a plate you're encouraging a healthy a healthy diet for the fish you're you're sort of really encouraging those growth rates and to put something in there that might actually hinder that is almost it's backwards isn't it yeah so you're sort of um really sort of i know what you're like at the moment you're 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 buying up a lot of flavors and you're experimenting with different things aren't you um for your own fishing um was there anything you sort of took from jason um on the flavor side of things anything you sort of found interesting um yeah when he said about onions and he was basically saying, you know, if, if you got a load of onions, mince them up, um, you'd have a, a, a fantastic bait. And that kind of, 
I don't know. I, that that kind of like struck me a little bit, um, and it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, just just due to if you look at what is in in an in an onion um, in terms of the organic mm-hmm. acids, that there, there, there's a lot of them, um, and I can I can go into them if you want me to. But um, yeah, that was a little bit of a like, oh shoot, yeah. Then you look at the composition of an of an onion. I mean, citric acid is the is probably the most common spoken about organic acid, right? That's in onions. You got fumaric acid, you got um, oxalic acid, you got malic acid, tartric acid. There, there's quite a few organic acids within onions, um, and it just made me think that yeah, you know, you know what what it's just thinking outside the box, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so we squeezed two episodes, didn't we? Uh, from Jason, that was a long one, but it was a good fun one to record, wasn't it? They're the ones which are good to record because you have a few beers, the hours go by pretty quick. It's remarkable, isn't it? When you when you get really into a podcast, um, time flies. Yeah, I got I got pretty shit faced on that one, and I think you did as well. Um, and yeah, by the end, I think Jason had had a few, mate. <laughs> I think Jason had quite a few as well. By the end, you were calling him Jay. I don't know where that came from. And uh <laughs> <laughs> buddies. <laughs> Best mates. He doesn't know it, but <laughs> Yeah, it got very relaxed, didn't it? But uh mm. yeah. No, that was good. I enjoyed that. He he's an interesting guy. And do you know what? He he's he's a passionate guy, isn't he? And it's it's just, it's always the same, isn't it? People that are really passionate about any part of carp angling, really, but you know, obviously bait's our thing. You can talk to him for hours, can't you? And it's, you know, it's a yeah. bit of a niched weirdo thing. You talk to most people on the bank about bait, their freaking eyes gloss over and they start to get bored very quickly, don't they? Um, but if you're, if, yep. if, if you're, uh, if you share that common interest, then you can lose many hours, can't you? Diving in rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that was a good episode, mate. And um, yeah, biggest thing that stood out as silly as it is. I mean, that's not to discredit what Jason was saying. He, you know, he, he was talking about some really interesting stuff, really, really interesting stuff. But the thing that like sticks in my memory is what he said about onions, as as crazy as that is. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting one. That's cool. It's cool. And mate, if it sparks a little fire in your brain and you get researching and you know how it is, you go down little little rabbit holes, well, don't you? It just so happens <laughs> at, at the moment, I'm really looking into different organic acids. Uh, we've spoken about this a lot and it, it forms part of the more natural side of hookbait formulation and uh, so yeah for me organic acids they're on like the tip of my brain the whole time at the moment so it was like a, a, a kind of relevant to me at that moment in time as well uh, mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so we we were going through the episodes weren't we we did two jason ones um who did we yeah. have after that patrick mr pat well dr patrick mills um, Dr. Which, wow, we got quite a reaction, didn't we? Still getting quite a reaction. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 We that... s- certainly a conversation starter. Controversial conversation starter, let's be honest. We got we've we've, <laughs> yeah. we've had a lot of people uh reach out almost in anger, right? Would you say? Yeah, almost, almost. Um it's, well, I'm trying to think of the best the best way to put it, but you've almost got um, like a. There could you say some people who I guess would would be carp bait purists, perhaps sort of guys who've been doing it for decades now, 
Um, and I guess they had a lot to sort of say on some of Patrick's theories and how maybe they wouldn't be suitable within a fishing application. I think that's quite a fair way of putting it. And these, are, I mean, we're talking about quite respected guys who've been around the block, and it's been interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> it has been, um, and it it's still literally to this day raises hot topic. I I won't name them. Um, but I was speaking to a, a well-known bait guy today about the possibilities coming on to a podcast. And yeah, that episode is going to be one that I think keeps kind of rearing its its head um, and it triggers people. And I understand why, why I do. Um, and by the way, this is not to shit over Patrick. It isn't. I, he's a really nice guy. I genuinely like him. Um, I think he's a lovely, lovely mm-hmm. bloke. I really, really do. Um, and, and look, he is very well versed in amino acids. He knows what he's talking about. It's This is his life's work and he's a very intelligent man. Uh, just maybe, you know, synergy isn't brought into equation and some other things. And, and I mean, I, I politely sort of questioned him on the podcast about the involuntary feeling trigger thing, which doesn't sit well with me. Um, but yeah, look, it is what it is. Um, he's a very intelligent guy and take from it what you will all we can do is get these guests on here allow them to present mm-hmm. their viewpoints um obviously we'll formulate opinions but whilst being very respectful and, and obviously you formulate your opinions as well um but yeah, yeah quite quite a few people reached out and and had quite a bit to say on that episode which is good mm-hmm. isn't it because it's it's formulating discussion and no one person knows it all when it comes to bait. I guarantee you that promise you that and anyone worth their salt will tell you the same. Any, anyone who is, you know, so-called bait expert, they'll tell you the same. No one person knows everything. Yeah. Just to, just to cover for some of the listeners might not, might not be aware of of what, what was controversial, what wasn't controversial. Um, So first of all was the, the involuntary feeding response thing that you've sort of mentioned. And the other one was the, the betaine, wasn't it? Um, so Patrick was actually saying that it's actually pretty useless really as a, as a feeding trigger. Um, and it's not what we all think. Um, now, obviously Patrick's tests are all in very, very controlled conditions when he's testing individual amino acids. Um, so it's all in a laboratory, very sterile conditions. Um, so I think that sort of like, leads maybe a lot into into his opinions and things but i've got to say it's beating something i use it's in it's in the bait i'm um i've been putting together at the moment uh it's something i'll probably use going forward in the future it's not something i'd i'd listen to that episode and think shit it's like i'm not sticking betaine in my bait i'm not throwing my money at that anymore it's sort of scientifically proven not to work um for me it's sort of a little bit of confidence in a white powder plus it's got its it's it's reasons um to be in a bait rather than uh, chemo reception sort of stimulation as well yeah i think you'd agree feed, on that feed bait you're talking about aren't you feed bait here yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely mm. so yeah so, so that was patrick's so i don't like you say he was a lovely chap wasn't he good good guest and we've had some pretty pretty awesome conversations with people uh on the back of it really something else to add to patrick's not at all mate no not at all no um so the next one was ben's wasn't it ben pinager uh, from bp milling is it pinager or pinager 
Oh, I don't know. But it wasn't the next one, was it? Was it not? No, it wasn't. Oh, no, I've done it again. How no. Could you, how could you forget JC? Mm. Yeah. JC was in the, his house two <clears> times. That's it. So, yeah, we sat down, didn't we, with Julian? Um, and that was actually two separate occasions. It wasn't a mammoth podcast that we split into two. Um, he sort of spoke to us and suggested, didn't he, about doing a, an 80s episode, about doing a 90s episode. <clears throat> and we just had a sort of chat and he took us down down memory lane with his, his career in the carp industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like he, he has done quite a lot in the media, isn't he? Um, and when we phoned him... And yeah. We, we we wanted to do something different with him, um, a bit unique. We don't want to just cover old ground because what's the point? Um, and he said that the thing that he's never covered is a walk through the 80s and 90s uh, as a recount of his experience of angling and different bait companies and his experience on different waters. So that's what we did with Julian. Um, it was more structured than normal. Um, we had it all kind of laid out, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, it's probably a style that doesn't, suit us very well to be honest but we did it nonetheless and uh yeah it, it, what he had to say was was interesting yeah that's it i just yeah i mean for me and you we I, we always say we've sort of developed a little niche with the bait thing haven't we but mm. i think whenever we do a podcast whether it's an episode with just me and you it's it always goes down onto bait doesn't it we talk about it for days um and i think that's sort of um a little thing that, that we, you know, we've got that burning desire to to speak to people who are like-minded on that front. So I think going forward, we'll probably see a few more bait-related episodes with some some guys who are of the same mindset, I guess. Yeah, um, definitely. And and what I'd like to do more of is, is obviously the bait, like, you know, the bait fire burns deep within us, obviously. But down to angling as well, and not just, you know, oh, use the freaking Ronnie rig and I... Th- I found a spot at 40 yards. Like, not that kind of angling, but just mm. in-depth How many wraps? <laughs> yeah, how many wraps you're fishing? Hey, fuck off, I'm on yards. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just get, you know, j- just some... Like Stephen White, which actually, that one is coming out next weekend. Um, so it probably might, won't make any sense to anyone if, if you're listening to these in chronological order. But... Um, Things like that, you know, that that kind of that deep thought process of angling. I would like to do a few more episodes on that, as well as bait, of course. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the next episode, Len, after I forgot about Julian, um, was Ben, wasn't it? Pinnager. Pinnager or Pinnager? One or two. I don't mind, mate. Just call him Ben P. Ben, yeah. Ben. Mr. BP Millen. Mr. P. Mate, which was. Yeah, <laughs> we go he with that. He, he had a lot of P's, didn't he? Oh, he did, actually, yeah. He yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, it took some editing. Weak bladder for such a young man. <laughs> I mean, he's 27 years old. Um, he's got a great mind on him. He is, he is brimming with knowledge. Um, sort of defies his age, really, doesn't he? Is he 27? 29? 29 <clears throat> something like that he's a youngster but um yeah great mind on him really really interesting dude um weak bladder <laughs> yeah 
but like you say, I mean, I guess he is young. I see. I haven't really picked up on that in a, in a great way. For his age, he's got himself quite an established feed business, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, well respected, I think, within the fish farming community. Oh yeah. And oh, for yeah, us, he mate. Yeah, he is. Um, he was yeah, just a little uh treasure trove of information really you could really quiz him couldn't you mm. on the aquatic environment and it was it was just quite nice and refreshing to speak to somebody who um who know who knows some answers what was what was sort of the main takeaway from ben's then for you um I, do, do you know what i don't know that he's he covered quite a few interesting points um I think the episode took a little bit of time to get into. Obviously, you know, he 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 kind of gave us his backstory and how he got to to where he is. But it was the stuff on aquaculture, you know, um, different like algae blooms and weeds and, and oxygen cycles of the lake, that kind of thing. I found fascinating. Um, and I'll be honest, I think Ben has probably got a lot more to give with that kind of thing. I'd love to get him on for a part two, and I think. If we do that, we just jump straight into the to the deeps of it all. To be honest with you, um, mm. because he he has a genuine, he's a genuine expert on on not only carp farming, carp breeding, but water quality. Um, what happens within a fishery? I mean, I'd like to have spoken to him about fly hatches, because obviously fly hatches happen all the time, and it's a obviously natural phenomena that the carp tune into, and I think that kind of knowledge you can really really use it to your advantage um to to catch more carp uh, we, it's so many people say oh they're not feeding they're they're just on the naturals at the moment i don't know if that's so true or not but i think that side of th- there's knowledge to be gained there um that could hold you in good stead so i think yeah we get him back on and we talk about that side of things um fascinating fascinating guy really like ben actually yeah, one thing I had jotted down actually, and I kept meaning to ask him. It was it was a difficult one because the podcast sort of it meandered from topic to topic and then go back to topic. And when you're sort of doing a podcast like this, we want to try and keep a little bit of structure. We we struggle sometimes because of the sort of relaxed nature of these, don't we? Um, one thing was I was going to ask was obviously he uses his guy, doesn't he? Who has helped with the feed formulation, um, and they look at certainly this guy's looked at other things like cattle for example and then what they need and what they want to get from the feed and they'll formulate that feed around them but i wanted to sort of speak to about what indicators um they can get back from a carp like what are they looking at are they looking at growth rates what in particular um signs are there that a fish might be in good health or something that they're they're lacking nutrients of this and this is going to help their growth and promote it and sort of like the design aspect of his feeds because obviously you know they've put in a lot of work there um so that was something i wanted to to speak to him about but the the podcast kept um just nicely meandered from one topic to another and it, it just didn't happen so yeah like you say i think we could probably ask him back for a part two get a bit of structure to it with some some definitive questions, topics. Um, mm. If if the listeners have anything in particular that they're uh, burning to learn about, um, get in touch because I'm sure we can put this to him um, and ask him to, to clear some points up. Definitely. But yeah, and Definitely. and that's it, mate. That's us really with the with the podcast, there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We are up to date. Next podcast is this one, Sam and Pete. Slotting in, which feels odd, Heavy doesn't hitters. it? I, I, <laughs> yeah. 
I think in the past, like we were more, it was more Sam and Pete or Pete and Sam, whatever. And then occasionally we got a guest on. Whereas going forward, I think it's going to be more guests, isn't it? Realistically. Um, and we will mm. we'll keep doing these Sam and Pete episodes. I know you guys really enjoy them. Um, so we'll definitely keep doing them. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just getting guests on getting these you know fascinating people on and, and really kind of getting inside their brain seeing how it ticks that is the fascinating side of this isn't it um and uh, yeah yeah it's good i'm enjoying i'm enjoying having this podcast to be honest with you i really am enjoying it mm. the what the sam and pete one right now are you enjoying or you're talking about enjoying the carp angler chronicles no wake up pete Wake up, Pete. No, I'm not enjoying talking to you right now. Don't don't flatter yourself. Um, this is just work. And there's the abuse. <laughs> this is just work, mate. Um, no, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying our podcast. I'm enjoying talking to these different people and you know getting inside their minds, seeing what makes them tick. I, I, I find it fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying having these guests on. Basically, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um... Yeah, and it's just like like-minded people, um, and these guys are just, yeah, treasure troves of knowledge, experts in the field, and it's just cool. It's cool. It's cool to pick their brains, like you've said. Mm. Yeah, very nice. So, mate, you've been catching a few fish, haven't you? You secret squirrel. Not that we would ever know, because you don't put any of your capture shots up <laughs> on social media. <clears throat> it's true. Yeah. But, yeah. I've done you've, uh, that. Yeah. You've been getting amongst them. Mm. Yeah, I've had a few, mate. I have actually. Um, just not not fishing that, not fishing with that much time on the bank. But when I've been there, I've kind of I've kind of gone quite hard, to be honest with you. But I mean, we're, we're all the same, aren't we? We can't do nights. Um, I've just been doing really short sessions the whole of this year, really. And um, yeah, mm. managed to have a few. You've been dedicated, mate. I've got to say, even though you've not maybe put in a lot of hours on the bank, you've been, you've sent me all sorts of pictures. You've driven through some interesting conditions, haven't you, to get to the bait? You've been to get to the bait, to get to the lake. You've been breaking ice um, to bait yeah. up and things. So I think fair play, um, definitely fair play to you. What have you been? What have you been doing this winter? What have you sort of? Yeah, so I joined a. Um... I managed to get a winter ticket. I think I mentioned this on our last Sam and Pete episode, actually. Uh, but I got a winter mm. ticket for water out here in the Cotswolds. It's, it was once a famous water. Still is famous, well known. Um, it had a very big fish in it for for that day and age, and it would still be big by today's standards. It had a, a good fifty pounder in it back when there was not many fifty pounders around. Mm. And um, yes, yeah, so I got a winter ticket for there. To be honest with you, I mean, I mean that fifty pound is long dead. Um, the other fish in there, nice fish. Don't get me wrong. The venue as a whole doesn't. You know when you just fall in love with a venue. I mean, this hasn't happened with this one. <laughs> um, it just hasn't captured me. And for me now, it's not just about fish weights and that kind of stuff. It really isn't. It's. Um, Angling to me is more, I don't want to sound cheesy, you know, I don't want you to start vomiting or anything, but to me, angling is more than just catching big carpets. I want to 
being into the the venue and anyway i joined um mm-hmm. the venue is by no means ugly don't get me wrong it just doesn't tick my box you know it doesn't tick all the boxes um so i did short sessions to be honest i know you said you you think i've been really dedicated i think i've half-assed it a little bit um kind of turning up at sort of 11 and fishing until four o'clock you know it's it's not exactly going at it hard um but i mean i've been there and you know i've broken the ice and put bait in and, and things like that so I, I guess you could you could say i went hard in that respect um but yeah it's, it's just finding them in the winter it, it's always the same you need to find where those carp are and obviously in the winter they slow right down they're not as nomadic and you've got to hit that vein i mean and this is something i look into with all my angling you know whether it's you know spring or summer whatever you've got to hit that vein meaning you've got to find where they are how they're feeding what what bait they will take once you find what will work you you're drawing on that vein you know you're gunning for it um and that's all i've done mate i've i found where they Mm. were finally which was hard because the water which is usually very clear is been like chocolate um from the the the, na- the neighboring river running running over severely running over actually um which is kind of helped in some ways but but hindered in other ways but yeah it was just finding the fish finding what they wanted to feed on um so i'll be honest i was going down the route of bright hook baits hook i mean winter bright hook baits they go hand in hand they, it works very well I found out these fish will not take a bright hook bait. Um, so I've been using a dull hook bait, um, a brown one. Incidentally, we've got a brown hook mm-hmm. bait coming out soon. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, just, just getting to the, getting to the place where they will be on that day. And when they will feed, the bite time was very, very condensed. Um, I found that I had to be, not only on the spot, but on the spot, in the spot, if that makes sense. Um, very, very accurate. You know, I was, I was, you know, tramming up, as you'd call it, but I was actually tramming up with choddies. Um, probably to relay exactly how I did it and where it was wouldn't make much sense unless you knew the water, which people won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably not worth me explaining that. But yeah, just, just being really, finding the fish and then being really, really accurate and giving something that they really want to eat. Basically, that's it, mate. So what you're saying, you're tramming up. You've obviously got a certain spot you're fishing to. Like, How small an area are we talking about here? The spot as a, as a whole, I'm looking at my desk now. It's probably about that. Um, the spot within the spot, in my <laughs> mind's eye, was what? what? No, I mean, that's just the spot within the spot. Yeah, with that, with the, okay, the spot within the area. Then, if you if you want to be pedantic, um, in my mind's eye, it was really small. The reality, if you get out in a boat, it's, it probably looks a bit different. Um, put it this way: I fluffed up a lot of casts <laughs> just to get it right, because I, rightly or wrongly, I felt that it had to be just so. Um, so yeah, it, it was a pretty tight, pretty tight spot, I think. Um, and look, I might be wrong. It might not have mattered if I was five foot to the right, but um, I felt like it mattered, and I stuck to that. And yeah, it paid off. To be fair, I had a, had a really good result. Well, yeah, the 
two fish in a very short period of time just goes to show as well like the feeding times for those carp so i mean how how long a gap are we talking between fish here oh it was three fish actually <laughs> just to correct you on that um has in Not, terms no, of... one, one of the you had three fish on the same day no two fish on one day and then one fish at a different time yeah no i mean that the, the feeding period because you had the fish sort of one one straight after the other wasn't it yeah i had i had um so yeah sorry on one day i had uh two fish and they were maybe 45 minutes apart um mm. yeah but the feeding spell um it was it was uh and, and i had a i've lost some as well so i had a few runs and won't get into that but we can get into it if you want. But uh, yeah, I found that somewhere between half past 11 and one o'clock, that, that was that was your, your main window, to be fair. Um, and how many fish have I had in total out there? Is it four? Uh, quite possibly, mate. Well, either way, even worse, like three. Yeah, if it was only three. Look, I'm by no means saying they didn't feed at any other time. Um, but it certainly seemed like that was the hot the hot time and i had tench as well by the way and yes i know mm. carp aren't the same as tench but if you're working off of the aquatic environment lending itself to that's the time to feed oxygen being dissolved etc um then that's that's how i formulated that idea that 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 was the kind of bite time on it um and it's worth doing for, for the listener you know have a look at patterns it is very much worth it you know you don't want to be reeling in and recasting at bite time that's for sure Mm-hmm. genuine question now i'm going to be this is going to be annoying for you why why are you fishing shots because my th- reasoning now i'm just imagining your situation in my head so you, you've got quite a small a small spot yeah mm-hmm. um i don't know what the substrate's like so i'll let you explain that in just a minute but obviously when you've got a choddy you're fishing that um that, that chod sort of like settling however far up the line isn't it wherever you sort of set your stop bead mm-hmm. um so what are you doing if it's a small spot how do you know making sure that choddy is on the right spot rather than the lead if that makes sense so so there's there's base there's loads of weed in the water um and there's a snag bush um and i'm fishing near the snag bush and mm-hmm. there's a deeper section of weed and then a lighter section of weed and i think the carp uh sitting on this particular lake this is um i think the carp are sitting in that deeper weed for a lot of the time and then i think on the occasions when there's a break and there's the sun comes out what do carp want to do they want to heat up don't they they're cold-blooded animals i think they then drift into the snags because they feel safe there and and kind of they rate they rise up in the layers and, and get a bit of sun on them a bit of heat on them um and then go back so this spot is in in between that two and i feel it, it was just important to really get it on this certain area as i said before um i can't tell you why i really thought that but i did and and it, it worked for me I, I i can't really explain it more than that you know as i said maybe it could have been anywhere around there and it would have been fine but i kind of felt like it wasn't i kind of felt like this spot was it um, but in terms of why am I fishing a choddy? Because I'm fishing in the weed. You know, it, it, the, mm-hmm. the carp are living in the weed. They're sitting in the weed. They've got leeches all over them. Um, like, if I was just to find a clear spot, I don't... Uh, the nearest clear spot to where those carp were living was 
60 yards, yeah, for about 60 yards away. So I think you can be a slave to that. You know, let's just go and find some clear spots and then fish them. The, the fish might not be there. I mean, everyone says, all oh, chods for nods and all that sort of stuff. But I think chod rigs are great because you can fish in the weed. We've spoken about this before. I will have my my chod right up. It looks comical, right up the leader. Um, you know, so it's like awkward to cast it. Um, and fishing deep weed. That's where the fish will cruise. That's where they will take a bait more confidently. Um, yeah, and it, look, don't get me wrong. That's not the be-all and end-all. Um, sometimes you want to fish the clear spots. You want to fish on the deck. You need to. Um, but in this given instance, I felt like that was the right way to go. And yeah, to be honest, I did well. I mean, it, I don't think anything got caught from there last year, last winter. I don't think anything got caught last winter at all. I think the winter before... Was it one or two came out? I need to go and check that. Uh, but not much. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like I got it right. But but who knows? You never know, do you? For sure. Hey, it sounds like you did. Sounds like you did. You were a little bit unconfident. Um, I remember chatting to you and you were saying you were fishing like particularly long shots as well. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Um, com- comically long. <laughs> yeah, really long choddies. Um longer than I would do normally and I think I mean I use a very stiff material obviously but um it was so long that it was like it would re it would retake its natural curl <laughs> so it's like this like a semi pig's wow. tail type thing like a real weird looking thing to be honest very long choddies is, okay. is, is what I fished mm. basically yeah but you need to I mean You'd be surprised. You think, okay, I'm fishing a chod rig. That's going to sit over everything. You think that's because that's what everyone says. It's not necessarily the case. Um, it depends on the type of weed. Compacted weed, great. Like little short choddies um, can be deadly. Like a short chod can work very, very well. Uh, but this kind of thing, it was a bit of bedlam in there. Lots of mixed of weeds. Um, I just thought uh, a longer chod, whilst I don't think it offers as good hooking potential, I think it offers better present presentation, um, and and you know when you're doing that kind of fishing, presentation is everything for sure. So yeah, yeah went, went with the long choddies. And the other fish um, was that on a chod as well. Uh, all all of my fish from that lake were on choddies. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah it's like what you're saying, but you you were sacrificing, I guess, with hooking potential. Um, didn't really play a factor i guess you 100 no. percent success in landing them mate well no we venue no. as well it's... no i didn't no i didn't oh no i lost one and i think i had an aborted take <clears throat> um and i had a couple of tench as well um so yeah yeah it i think something was suffered there um and the hook holds i got weren't as as good as i would have liked uh, okay. i mean they were good don't get me wrong but i mean usually with chod I, I do super super stiff ones and generally i get pretty good hook holds with choddies um but yeah i think there's room for improvement in there but again it's the trade-off like do you want to hook them at all or do you want to just not hook them <laughs> you know it's it's you've got to choose mm-hmm. choose which side you want to go to um obviously you want to be responsible and you don't want to be just nicking fish in the corner of the mouth and causing damage. Obviously, I'm not saying that before someone jumps on that, but 
Yeah, I mean, I think the long trods were the right way to go with the presentation, not so much with the hooking potential, but I think if I went shorter, the presentation wouldn't have been there. Um, the hooks would have been fouled, and I don't think they'd have taken it in their mouth efficiently anyway, so pointless pointless doing it so yeah got you, you got to sometimes you've got to take things on the chin haven't you and it's always a trade-off you know it's nine times out of ten it's a trade-off in angling you are prioritizing mm-hmm. something at the sacrament of something else that's just fishing you know you've got to the art is choosing which thing you want to prioritize and which thing you can sacrifice a little bit that's what i think yeah, yeah. I I have a bit of an issue with with like the chuddy style hook at the minute. Uh, with the outturned eye, I've lost a bit of confidence in that since I lost a fish uh, on a on a multi rig last last summer. Uh, but I, I was fishing up against some snags in super shallow water, fishing from I guess a a position of sort of I was in quite a high position, I guess. So I'm playing the fish from a height. Um, in super shallow water, I dumped the lead with with the outturned eye, um, and suffered a pull. So that's that sort of like really has put me off trolley hooks. I try to avoid them now, where possible. I know it's different, I guess, with chop material. It's super stiff, isn't it? It's automatically got that the 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 downward um, direction, I guess, out of the eye, just because of the nature of the material. But it's not something you suffer confidence wise. You're not worried about mm-hmm. it. No, I use stiff rig hooks uh, with the outturned eye for definitely most of my fishing. I wouldn't want to put a percentage on it. But, you know, I, I fish a lot of hinges. Um, and obviously in deeper wind, uh, deeper weed, sorry, I fish trotties. And I fish on I fish on the deck a lot as well, you know, don't get it wrong. But um, I don't lack confidence in them. The, the stiffer boom, it's, um, you're instantly connecting with the lead, aren't you? Yeah, just the way it's presented. Well, I, I no, because I fish helicopters, so no. Okay. Yeah, you see, that's a funny one as well. I guess like the stiffer boom with a helicopter. Um, you see, for me, that sort of negates a little bit of the the reasoning for having a stiff section. Why? It's, I suppose it depends all on. I think with helicopters, I mean, we've discussed this in length, haven't we? Really on the podcast, but you're using a lot of the resistance of the line or the leader uh, in the water, aren't you? As, a, as, as to hook rather than, rather than the lead itself. Uh, but I wouldn't go for a stiff boom on a helicopter. I don't know why. It's not something I've thought about a great deal. Um, I would always want that stiff boom because I want it to be in contact with the lead pretty quickly. Purely just to get that, that, that hooking potential pretty instant, stun the fish. I just think on a helicopter, you're sort of losing that, negating it, and it's sort of, you might be losing presentation over hooking potential, if that makes sense. I mean, it depends what you mean by stiff, but no, I don't think so. I think um, in terms of being worried about, you know, okay, so you're fishing a helicopter, presumably you're fishing over some kind of detritus, some weed or something. You're possibly worried that, okay, stiff boom material is going to be sticking up isn't it that's normal for a carp to come across that you know we're all paranoid oh we can't detect that and it's got to be on the floor but look they're swimming around weed and all sorts of shit that moves around all the time they don't know where that strand of weed is supposed to be um a little boom sticking up a little bit or something like that i don't think it's an issue um 
and I think it allows less. Obviously, it allows less movement, um, and it's it's the bait, which obviously the the carp blow and suck. It becomes less malleable within their mouth because it's got this straight, stiff material to it, which is obviously moving the leader, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it it certainly aids in making it hard for the carp to eject the bait when you've got that stiff boom. Yeah, I, I can completely agree with that. Um, just my point is, like you're saying, if, if you're fishing a helicopter, you're going to be fishing over, like you're saying, some sort of detritus or a, a, a not a clean lake bed. So I'd probably go for something a bit softer. But I think it all depends. I think we're probably thinking of stiff materials on different levels here, maybe. Uh, everything's... Um, well, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Just everything you got to sort of like take yeah. with a not with a pinch of salt, but everyone's got a different perspective on things. We're not sat down next to each other, are we? Sort of looking at materials and having a conversation. It's it's all sort of people's perspective over the phone. Uh, yeah, I I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Again, I I, I don't think there's any anything wrong with having you know if you're going for a stiff boom material on a, on a hinge or something, or or maybe a Ronnie or whatever. If that's sticking up over a stick or a bit of weed or something, I do not see a problem with that. I don't think the carp are like, oh shit, look at that sticking up. Suss them. I don't you know, it's just it's just another thing yeah. sticking up off the lake bed. You know, it's I think people get a bit carried away with this. Um doesn't bother me. So See stalking, I've had fish come in contact with my hook link and it's spooked them big time. Now, whether that's negated because it's a pop-up and they're zoned in on the pop-up and that's the first thing they come to. Um, but certainly when I've been stalking, and this is fishing with bottom bait, so completely different scenario. But when you've had a fish grubbing around on the bottom, and there's a bit of the hook link sticking up and you can watch this. Yeah. I've certainly had fish spook from that big time. But, but that's on a clean bottom, right? Predominantly. Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. So I think maybe if, if that bottom is you know always clean and then there's all of a sudden s- something sticking up off the bottom i don't know may- maybe that would raise some you know ring some alarm bells in the cart maybe i think that's it but i mean you're fishing a water that's littered with smothered in weed i don't think they're spooking off of hook lengths no within reason within reason obviously but um yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, mate. And again, it's it comes down to that perspective of what's a like a messy lake bed, isn't it? A messy bottom. But I mean, when you watch sort of like some of the the quarter underwater stuff, you certainly see the fish um, spooking, don't you, from sort of rig material and things. But predominantly, whenever I've watched the, any of the quarter quarter films, they're always fishing pretty clear areas, aren't they? Yeah, that's how yeah. they have to do it because of the nature of the filming. So it sort of falls into what you're saying there, doesn't it? Yeah, they're, they're not fishing where, you know, they're, they're not fishing weedy lakes, certainly in the areas that I would be chucking a rig. It's it's totally mm. different. So, yes, I guess you're right. In that instance, um, if it's a clear bottom, clear area, then, yeah, you you don't want something, cat, you know, sticking up like the freaking Excalibur sword off the bottom. No, of course you don't. Um, I'm talking about specifically fishing within the weed. Yeah. Yeah. There mm. we go. Mate, hold the fort. I'm going to go and grab a few more beers out of the fridge. Mate, you're on it. I'm on it.
I'm back. Don't worry. You're back. Do you know what I was doing whilst you were you were gone? Do I want to know? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. It's not rude, is it? I was just breaking up, breaking up one of my my home rolled baits and having a good sniff. How much pleasure can you get from that? Just breaking up your your sort of like homemade. I just find boilies fascinating, mate. And I can break up baits and play with them, stick them up my nose, stick them in my mouth, have a good taste. Do you know I'll what? I get tired of it. I always remember. Um, I was at Porf Reservoir in Cornwall, and uh, mm -hmm. Adam Adam Sheehan came along with with his kid on his shoulders, and um, and he gave his give his gave his kid a boilie, and he said, "Oh yeah, he loves boilies, mate. He can't get enough of them." And this kid was like. Like smelling the boilie rotating in his hand, like broke it up, like like put it up his nostril. He's just fascinated. And as <laughs> as Adam said, he just loves boilies. And I thought there and then I was like, Yeah, I am that kid. Like I, I love boilies. <laughs> as silly as it is, you know, I could uh I could play with my boilies all day. Um so yeah, I know what you mean, mate. I wanted to talk to you about mm. this actually, so it's good that you brought this up. Um I know this year you're going to be targeting a, a water in Cornwall that it's got like an older set of residents in terms of the carp, isn't it? Big, big old commons, basically. Um, and I know that you're formulating a bait which is designed to hopefully single out these older, bigger common carp, right? So I know you don't want to give it all away. And, I, and here's the danger. Um people on our waters both you and me they know that we do this podcast now so we don't want to like give away our edges and things like that and we don't want people to cotton on to us but are you able to talk about this bait that you're making mate to, to single out these big old commons yeah well there's a little bit of history with it isn't there um so i've always been a fan of a of sort of like a not a milk protein bait because it's far far from a milk protein bait but I like a bird food bait with milks and I like a nut bait as well and it's it's always something I go back to in the last few years I've been pretty strong on fish meals and I wanted to fish fish meals just a solid solid bait aren't they um and I've just always sort of like gone back to a nut bait I've had no interest in rolling bait for a number of years uh, but this this one in particular, like you said, there's a, there's a few commons in there, uh, which I wouldn't mind getting amongst. Uh, and it's not so much that the, the targeting the older fish. Um, I think, especially, I mean, we're talking to Sean Harrison, who's catalogued this for literally decades now, hasn't he? Um, about different catches, different baits, and he keeps his diary. And I think he is very much the case of uh, the younger fish you can sort of really target with maybe... Uh, uh, a certain type of feed you know whereas the older fish might come out on something more subtle like an old fish meal and some maybe something like it like your glm or a liver um so i don't think i'm doing it for the age of fish but it's just a common so a little bit of history uh between me and you we used to fish a water we've referred to it as, as the weedy lake uh in this podcast for years um but yeah my my homemade sort of nut bait i just couldn't stop catching the commons um there was a cracking uh, selection of fish in there, really. Some of the mirrors in there were the most beautiful fish going. I think you'd probably agree with that. Yeah. They've got a little bit of little bit of Cornish history, a little bit of pedigree, um, just because of the the strain of fish that they were. And 
I couldn't get amongst them, could I? I just caught comment after comment after comment. <laughs> uh, to the point it got quite sort of farcical. Um, which at the time we put down to the fact I was fishing a nut bait. Um, it's that old adage, isn't there, with molasses. Now, I'm a big fan of molasses. Uh, I've used it for years and years in boilies as a glug. Um, all sorts of different scenarios. I like using molasses. Yes, it is a bream magnet. You can't really shy away from the bream. That's something you've got to accept, I think, when you're, when you're fishing with molasses. But yeah, it was targeting commons. So cut a long story short, I've decided to rekindle my bait making uh, days. I've been in the kitchen trying to get the recipe right. I'm a little bit gutted because I don't have the recipe written down. So it's not the same as it was. Um, and there's a few new ingredients out there now as well. So back when I was rolling this, I mean, peanut protein wasn't widely available, put it that way. It was certainly there. It was on the scene. I knew that people had been using it in bait, uh, but you certainly couldn't buy it from, from a stockist. You had to go out and source that. And it wasn't really in the the health and fitness community then either as a, as a sort of like a whey protein replacer either. Um, so I've been using that in this mix, which is nice. It's not oily. Um, so I've been using that with, with peanut meal. And just, yeah, it's a yeasty, bird foody, a few milk powders in there, kind of bait that I'm hoping to, to target out some of these commons. You can remember my my uh, constant common catching, right? Yeah, I remember, mate. I mean, I was catching commons and mirrors, to be fair, wasn't I? Um, it wasn't like I was only mm -hmm. catching mirrors. I was catching commons and mirrors, mostly mirrors, because guess what? There was more mirrors in the lake than there were commons. But Pete seemed to just single out the commons it was freaking bizarre wasn't it <laughs> it was mate to be honest it was frustrating at times weird there was a few different things that you were doing wasn't it um but... well we discussed this didn't we with, with Stephen, who we've got on next week as well um and he's worth so obviously by the type of bait it is a, a bird food nut bait it's quite pale isn't it um and he's sort of a very sort of keen on the fact that commons being sight feeders uh, and a little bit more predatory perhaps which which you know that sort of rings true i guess yeah i think i think maybe that i think at, at the time i didn't have that thought at all like that was i just didn't think of that yeah having spoken to Stephen, it it you know it, it starts to get interesting doesn't it and there's certainly a thought process there um mm. I think even on on the attraction side of things with commons, I really think they have different preferences to mirrors. I really do think that, um, and I'm going to be diving in my own sort of like ongoing research in my ponds and and my 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 upcoming tank test. I'm going to be doing a lot on that, and um, personally, I think so far, I think commons definitely have different preferences for things acacia is another one um acacia essential oil yeah you've said this a few times haven't you for, for picking out commons i've got no experience with it so yeah so acacia i mean people talk about cinnamon cinnamon essential oil well okay which cinnamon essential oil you're on about because there's different cinnamon essential oils for a start it could be made from the bark or the leaf Mm -hmm. and depending on which one it's it's going to be uh if it's from the leaf it's going to be vastly higher in uh, eugenol 
Uh, if it's from the bark, it's going to contain some other things that the leaf essential oil doesn't contain. So that's really important. As well as that, you know, which plant is it from specifically? Is it from Ceylon cinnamon or is it from cassia? Uh, so-called cassia cinnamon, which is technically not cinnamon. Um, it's a cheaper cinnamon. Now, both have their place and, and both offer different things to a bait and to carp. But um, yeah, cassia specifically, I think. Commons, cassia, and there's something there for sure. Um, color as well, which was interesting. Obviously, you know, Stephen White spoke about color uh, quite a bit. For mm -hmm. me, it's it orange, orange baits, orange pop-ups, um, which I've used for... You remember the um, the fruit aminos, don't you? The old the old fruit aminos that caught oh, my yeah. target, which was a common at one point. It caught me a few targets actually, but yeah, and and I think color, cassia, certain cinnamon uh, essential oils, and uh, certain other things. I think you can definitely kind of pitch it in your favor to to winkle out the commons, personally. But um, I know what Pete's doing now with his bait is. Uh, is probably even more in depth from that and, and stemming on a little bit further. So I'm going to be interested to see how you do, mate, to be honest. Yeah. Now, an another sort of theory I've got on this was at the time I was using uh, calcium chloride. So I, um, for those that don't know, it's a, uh, it's a calcium salt, basically got sodium chloride, calcium chloride. Um, and, in Cornwall, I had a bit of a theory going. So we've got seriously soft water down here. Um, so naturally, it's it's devoid of calcium. And the lakes we were fishing at the time, they weren't sort of like clay bottoms, very silty. And I had a bit of a theory of a of um like maybe a calcium deficiency. I mean, all 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 fish sort of rely on it. Um, and and one of the things that fish rely on now i did have papers on this i don't have papers on it now but i'll try and dig them out and we've got a little resources section on our website now actually haven't we so if i do dig them out Good we can chat. chuck them up there if anyone's interested um but commons are covered in scales now there's a certain percentage of um fishy scales made up of calcium and calcium deposits um so I don't know if that has something to it, whether they were attracted to it because of its calcium content. I have no idea. Um, head scratcher, but it's maybe there may be some mileage in it. There may be something to go out there. But it, it was certainly no coincidence, was it? The numbers of fish. No, it was it was really pronounced, wasn't it? <clears throat> to be mm -hmm. fair, um, yeah. I tell you what, Pete, you're gonna have to keep us updated on that and and tell us how you get on with it and uh maybe you'll maybe you'll get the results you're after with that bait maybe you'll switch it up but um yeah keep us posted on it mate and there's some mileage there yeah it's it's high on um solubility levels mate it's it's not the kind of bait you'd, you'd want out there sitting there for days waiting for a fish to to come along so i've, I've taken that into account um i like a soft bait it's highly soluble i don't want to be mucking about with uh hardened hook baits to be honest because that's just another thing i've got to do isn't it so i've sort of i've got it the level of binders and and uh the solubles in there i think i've got it down i think hopefully now so i've got a substantial bait that's going to stay on the hair for 
realistically, I'm no more than 12 hours, 10 hours would be really as tops. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with it so far. Do you know what, mate? I've been trying to get it to turn. Uh, and I just think it's it's lacking a bit of moisture content in the bait. But I've had it in a bag now. I'm trying to keep it keep it warm. I'm just trying to sort of sweat them up and try and get them to turn. But I don't know if I dried them a bit too long. Uh, I don't know if I'm lacking. I said to you, I've not got any soy flour in there. Uh, this this peanut protein meal is very sort of dry. Uh, it's not not got a high oil content at all. Um, and they're not really turning. They're just now starting to form little white crystals on the outside, which is promising. But that's taken a number of days to get to that point. Yeah. There we go, mate. Uh, I'm sure you'll keep us posted on that. Look forward to the photos, mate. You have to post them. You give me shit about not posting my captures. You'll have to post some of those old special commons when you get them, mate. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I just don't want politics, mate. My fishing is my one thing, isn't it? Um, and the podcast is something separate. And I'm quite happy keeping my fishing and the podcast sort of separate. And I think you probably feel the same in a way. Like, I mean, sure, we're going to talk about it um, when we do these Pete and Sam episodes. But I certainly wouldn't want it to be a, a blog on what I'm doing on said water. Not at the moment, anyway. Maybe if I was fishing some circuit waters or something like that, then probably. But at the moment, I'm sort of quite happy keeping myself to myself. And... Yeah, going like that, but we're we're going off topic here, dude. We're going off topic. Um, anyway, twenty ninth of March, we have been given the green light, haven't we? We have for night fishing. Uh, I cannot wait to go out there and and, and do a night's fishing. I literally cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there anything you're um doing this year, getting ready for spring? I mean, it is literally on the doorstep now, isn't it? It is, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of dedicating a lot of my, um, a lot of my time to baiting up, a lot of my fishing time as well. So there's two lakes that I'm baiting up at the moment, um, which they're a 45 minute drive away from each other. So, and I'm doing that at least three times a week. Um, at the moment, I'm doing it on a Tuesday or Thursday, and then either Saturday or Sunday, depending on what my weekend looks like. Uh, so yeah, it takes quite a bit of time, but yeah, I'm baiting up, I'm getting the bait going, I'm getting some spots going. Um, I'm on one of the waters that will receive a bit more pressure um, for seeing this influx of people doing nights, and I'm getting an area going that's a bit more out of the way. And I think, I mean, the water's always, you know, if, if there's you know quite a few people on there, it just really dies off. No one catches. It's low stock anyway. Um, but that, but that's you know like a common thing that's spoken about on the bank, uh, and I'm really damn sure that they're moving into an area. The centre of the lake is pretty much castable by quite a few swims, so I don't think it's that they're just moving out into the middle. Uh, pretty damn sure they're moving into a certain area that doesn't really get angled. So yeah, I'm putting the work in there, raking out, you know, just just sort of doing the hard yards with that, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm. Putting the bait in in anticipation for when we can start night fishing again. Mm. Do you think you're, this year you might be a little bit more ruthless when it comes to fishing certain parts of the lake? I know previous years you'd like to get an area going where there might not be other people fishing. 
massively and i think that was a bit of a shock to you once you sort of restarted your your fishing sort of you you're really fishing hard again at the minute i think moving up to to the cotswolds and being on some of those busier waters you struggled with that didn't you like the etiquette side of things yeah. and yeah is this you, yeah. you might be a bit more ruthless i did yeah i mean there's etiquette and then there's being ruthless and i think there's a fine line between the two but yeah i mean i'm used to fishing on some places that there's not other people there and but you start fishing somewhere like the Cotswold Water Park you know which has got some great fish great history I actually started fishing there when I was a little boy um, and I moved down to Cornwall but anyway it's a different story yeah you you've got to be a bit more ruthless I think and um, you know that's not me as an angler to be honest with you I'm not a particularly cutthroat kind of guy I know that you know a lot of the top guys and and they are pretty cutthroat they will you know that they will gain any any kind of benefit that they can do Um, they won't think twice of fucking you over some of these guys to be honest with you Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really me you know if I knew someone was baiting an area and I saw a fish show there I wouldn't fish it just out of respect for that person but I think you get on these busier kind of circuity-ish waters and um, you're just doing yourself down by that mentality so you have to kind of grab the bull by the horns but uh, yeah I'm still pretty adamant I can get things going on my own term I think people that are fishing this water I mean there's some great anglers on there you know I'm not not to take anything away from them, but um, I think there's some things that can be done on that water that aren't being done at the moment. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to focus on. So yeah, hopefully I won't need to get too ruthless, but um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, mate, maybe you're right. Maybe I need to be a, a mm. little bit less accommodating to people. I'm too soft, really. I mean, I'm sure people listen to this and think that Sam's a right arsehole, <laughs> but I'm not really. Um, you know, I'm quite quite soft yeah yeah nice guys finish last it's true isn't it i think yeah yeah it is yeah it is yeah what so you're saying there's a couple of things you might you think can be done maybe a little bit differently with this water is anything you can sort of go into a little bit how you want to approach things i mean as i said there's a there's a few i mean this is the the weird thing i don't look when i go on a lake I don't want, I'm not, you know, walking around saying, hey, it's Sam from the Carpangler Chronicles podcast. You know, I'm, I don't want people to know, but, but people, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm, I, you know, I'm not like down there giving it the big one. I've got nothing to give it the big one about, but people find out, don't they? And you're like, oh, you've got that podcast, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. It's like really awkward, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a few things I can be doing. I don't necessarily want to like announce it to everyone on the lake, in effect, that so yeah, I just keep it to myself, mate. I'll tell you. I'll tell you once I've <laughs> once I've made it work. If I make it work, uh, that's probably the way to go of it, mate. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> sounds sensible, doesn't it? You're starting to get that as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, really cringy to be honest. That's <laughs> was something I've been dreading, mate, about doing this. And then actually, when we were getting a few messages and people are being like, "Oh, you're like." fishing such and such and it's like yeah yeah um and then yeah it's just uh i never thought i would be that guy who sat here on a podcast like 18 months ago do you know what i mean no um, no here, here i am now 30 episodes in 31 yeah 31 yeah cool with, with you there buddy um so 
I want to talk about him. You've ordered a new brolly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a good shout, mate. I'll tell you what I really like about it is, um, so this is the Witchwood Tactical Brolly. It's a compact, well, it's a 55-inch brolly. Uh, it's got nice flat back, so you can push the bed chair right to the back. How far back you can get a standard bed, I don't know. Sam's going to be our guinea pig there, so he'll let us know. Um, but it's got, yeah, a nice flat back. And what I really like about it, mate, is the wideness of the door. So you don't get a door panel. It's just one big wide door. And I think that would be, like, pretty pretty handy with the muzzy panel. Um, did you order a muzzy panel for it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yes, I ordered... Uh, the brolly itself just comes without any bells and whistles. It literally just comes with... I think it just comes with pegs. Uh, it's like 160, 170 quid on eBay. Um, yeah, I ordered the infill mozzie panel, which I need because on the water park, Cotswold Water Park, trust me, you need a freaking mozzie panel. They are savage there. The mosquitoes are something else. Um, so yeah, I ordered the mozzie panel and I ordered the solid panel as well, just for winter um, when you need to kind of wrap in a little bit from the elements, from the rain, whatever. Um, I think all in all, it cost me it cost about two hundred and twenty quid, which is about right, I think, isn't it for a for a shelter nowadays? Pretty, these days, probably, yeah. I mean, the only reason I've got it is it's got a small footprint, um, so I want to be fishing some tight swims, basically. Um, so I'm using the ESP hideout in the minute, but it's got two holes in it. The zip on the Monzi front is broke, and the zip on the solid front is broke. So it's kind of time for a new brolly. Um, so yeah, and I wanted something a little bit smaller that I could fit into some tight areas. And uh, yeah, hopefully the Witcher one will fit the bill with that. It's ripstop material as well, I think, um, which is a bonus for chucking it in, you know, tight areas and brambles and bushes and stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you what's cool with that brolly, actually, mate, which is really cool. Now, I had the MHR one, which I had two of them, and they both leaked quite badly on me. Um, but what it's got is the extended skirt, isn't it, at the back of the brolly? I think it's got that, hasn't it, on this one? And that is a bonus. So if you're fishing without a ground sheet and you're in wet, sort of muddy, horrible conditions, the actual little skirt, which you can sort of velcro your ground sheet too which just goes around the perimeter of the brolly that's extended in itself so you don't need a ground sheet you can chuck your belongings at the back there they just keeps them nice and dry it's a nice touch real nice touch to be honest um it's a cool bit of kit i was going to get it last summer but with the, the whole covid thing everywhere was out of stock of everything um, so i had to get a brolly something else but yeah there we go i'll tell you what i have got that's new mate uh, as I've bought myself some new polies, uh, and I've got the Fortis. I don't know what model they are. Is it the Bays? They're like the squarish looking, looking, looking no, set. But these ones have got the lenses that change colour, so dependent on your light conditions. So I think like the standard pair of Fortis glasses are about thirty quid. These were forty five, and you get basically a gimmick um, where the lenses change colour, and actually they're pretty freaking wicked um, compared to my old pair of Fortis. Uh, which I've had for a number of years now, which have given up on me. One of the one of the the arms has been glued a number of times where one daughter kindly snapped them. Um, but these lenses are a serious upgrade to the ones that I had anyway. 
they change color. I don't know how how much of a how much of a deal that is with the different light conditions. I've always really gone for like an amber lens. I prefer an amber lens for all light conditions. Whereas this one sort of yeah, they're light when it's dark and when the sun comes out they, they darken up. But so far for yeah, penetrating glare, looking into the water, they are the best pair of polarized glasses I've had. Um it's funny enough, I actually I probably shouldn't say it's on the podcast because we're still in lockdown, but I went round to my parents uh on mother's day and they've got a pond uh, my old man was testing these glasses out and he's a bit of a character and he my dad he's got his like his 200 quid pair of bole sort of whatever lenses on and he's actually shitted all over him so he's actually gone out and bought a pair of forces glasses for himself nice and we <clears throat> so i've got some fortis i think they're called the ampm which i don't really understand um but yours have basically you're saying they've got a different lens in them. Yeah, they're called Switch. So they've got all the different ones. I think these are Bays, it's the model name. It's like Fortis Bays, I think. I think they've got loads of different they've got like aviator ones and the wraps that sort of have the little side panel so lens the bays as well. Is, is referring to the, the frame, basically. Yeah. Not yeah, that's lens. exactly it, mate. Yeah, okay. Okay. No. No, uh, and the lens is called like a switch lens, which is their new thing. I say it's new; I think it's been out a little while. Uh, but worth checking out. Good set of glasses. Nice. And on that exciting note, mate, I think we're we're pretty much there, aren't we? I think we're done. I think this was just a much needed catch up, wasn't it? I think maybe sort of like as a last item before we before we round it up, is just to remind people of our little giveaway. Uh, we've hit our our target of, of reviews. Uh, so everyone who's left a review will be entered into the competition. And I think we're going to do it at the end of the month, aren't we? So if you haven't left a review yet, uh, there's still time. So you can basically head over to the Apple the Apple iStore or podcast app. I'm not an Apple user, Sam is. Uh, but you can leave us a review there, which is where pretty much all of our reviews are. But if you're not an Apple user, um, you can go over to the Facebook page and leave us a recommendation. Done. Done. Mate, I'm done, pissed. Done, done. I can barely get my words out. <laughs>